Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Before we get into the main episode today, I want to just do a really quick ad uh, and let you know of a really cool thing that I'm doing with my podcast network, Wheels on the Ground Network. You've heard me show you the new bumper and tell you all about the new network and my plans to really uplift disabled voices in the podcast space. And guess what? I found a really cool group of people that wanted to run a podcast of their own. And I said, well, I have a place where you can house this project. And let me tell you a little bit all about it. I'm really excited about this. The podcast series is called Crip Times, and it's hosted by Yusef Kadora, Kayla Bess, and Christina McMullen, all from the Crip art space. And it's an interview-based podcast where they sit down with disabled artists talking about what it means to be disabled in the art space and connect right now during COVID and just during just being disabled. And it's a really cool idea. They want to bring together disabled artists, disabled creators, all of this stuff in this platform. And I thought, I want to be a part of this in some small way, but you hear me all the time anyway on my show. And I wanted to give somebody else a chance to shine. So without further ado, here is the new trailer for the new Crip Time, Crip Times podcast. It's a podcast series. Get ready for the trailer and um, stay tuned to hear new episodes of the Crip Times podcast on their feed. And when I when it drops, I'll have the first episode on the Disability After Dark feed. Pretty sure it's going to drop on November 16th, so really shortly. And you'll be able to hear it on my feed and then you can follow them there. But I'm really, really proud to be able to bring my platform and use my kind of knowledge of podcasting, which truly isn't super much, but I'm really glad that I can help other disabled creators do this. So I'm going to stop rambling now and play the new Crip Times podcast trailer. Hello. And welcome to Crypt Times, our podcast, or at least what our podcast is going to be. Crypt Times is like all things Crypt, a product of interdependence, collaboration, and community. We really miss the spaces of connection and conversation that happen organically and spontaneously in art spaces, which are currently closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. One of the aims of this series is to replicate those chats, giving artists and activists and ourselves an accessible podcast space to hang out, converse, connect, and just be however we need and want. We're your hosts, Kayla, Yusuf, and Christina. I'm Kayla. I work in disability arts and communications. I love to yell about accessibility on Twitter and I can talk much better than I can walk. I am Yusuf, and I am an actor, writer, right-leg amputee, and coffee enthusiast. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm an arts administrator, emerging academic, cat mom, and Cryptimes resident Aquarius. Cryptimes is presented as a part of the Wheels on the Ground podcast network. This podcast is produced by us and supported by Tangled Art Plus Disability and Bodies in Translation. We put a lot of thought into what we wanted to produce during these times, and it always came back to connection. 
We want to use this podcast as a place to build connections through conversation, to make something for crit folk, centering crit folks inherently and unapologetically crit. We believe the conversations that we are having are important and deserve a platform. The three of us have been working in the disability arts sector for a handful of years. Due to this work and our snazzy personalities, we have been fortunate to make a lot of friends that are also working in the sector. Whether as artists, academics, activists, or all three, we've gotten to work with, cross paths with, do life with these folks. And now we get to share them. These are not only folks with unique practices and valuable insights, but also intentional ways of being in the world. Good, kind, wholehearted humans. We've got theater practitioners leading the way for accessible performance, artists making work in the intersections of anti-Black racism and ageism, academics exploring madness through academia and art, activists bringing disability justice to the forefront of activism, artists embracing the messiness and disjointed nature of our times, academics researching how disability, fashion, and gender intersect. I think we all knew we could make something really special. And now here we are, a few months later, ready to share crit times with our community. You can also read the transcript of each episode on the Bodies in Translation website. Access is transcripts, y'all. We'll also be sharing our episodes on the Tangled Art Plus Disability and Bodies in Translation social media pages. Thanks for listening to our trailer. We hope you keep listening to our episodes and that you enjoy Crypt Times as much as we've enjoyed making it. You can listen to our next episode every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. 
they reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal's pretty great. If you go to adameve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie if you want for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in Dark Pod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout, and you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off, and then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal, and this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners, and I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I am so excited to tell you about all the new things coming up with this podcast, and thank you so much for listening. But the thing I want to quickly tell you about today is you've heard us talk on the Handicast, the special episodes I do with my sister Heather about our brand Handy. You've heard us talk about our new book, The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability. Well, guess what? It is available for pre-order right now on our website, and I'm so excited about this book because it is a book that puts together 50 amazing disabled and chronically ill contributors to talk to us about sex. But the book just doesn't talk about sex. It talks about how sex and disability feels. So we curated 50 important responses from the disabled community worldwide to write a book that was about not only sex and disability, but the emotions around sex and disability. And we asked contributors to answer questions like, what was the sexiest thing that ever happened to you around your disability? What was the worst sex you've ever had as a disabled person? Tell us about how chronic pain and disability impact your sex life. Tell us about sex work and disability. So many things popped up in this book. It was such an, it's such an important collection, and it's one that I needed when I was coming up out as queer, coming out as disabled, coming out as all these things. I needed this book and these stories to feel like I wasn't alone. So I want to give you listeners 
the opportunity to pre-order the book right now and tell you a little bit more about the book. So the book is not only just a book, but the book is actually a donation towards our sex toys. So if you pre-order the book at that'shandy.co, and I'll, don't worry, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you pre-order the book right now, you'll every dollar from any book sales will go towards the creation of the first sex toy for and by disabled people. How fucking cool is that? It's really, really awesome, and we're super excited. And if you pre-order the book, you will have it in three accessible options. Hardcover, ebook, and audiobook. So if you want to hear more of my dulcet tones serenading you, my friend Katie Venables and I narrate the book. So you can hear me do a bunch of chapters, and then you can hear her do a bunch of chapters. And we're both disabled individuals, so I think it's a really cool project. So I'd love for you to pick up a copy. By picking up a copy of this book, you're saying that sex and disability matters, and you're saying that it's an important conversation, and you're helping to fund the first sex toy ever for and by disabled people. So pick up your book of The Handy Book of Love, Lust, and Disability, available right now at That'sHandy.co. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, a part of the Wheels on the Ground Network. I'm Andrew Gerza. I'm your number one queer cripple, your disabled daddy, your disabled dick smith. You're bearing a chair. I'm all those things. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this episode started. First things first, if you're a Patreon supporter, you are listening to this show on our very special Patreon feed, and you're listening to this show completely ad-free and one day early from the regular Saturday episodes. So that's cool, right? And I want to give a shout-out to somebody who pledged their hard-earned dollars to keep this show going this week. So let me do that right now. This week, I want to give a shout out to my new friend, Lindsay Weir, who pledged $1 a month to keep this show going, which means that they get the show one day early and completely ad-free. And Lindsay Weir, your awkward pun from me this week is that thank you so much for your pledge, and I know we're going to be best friends. Uh, thank you again so much for your pledge, and thank you for listening. If you want to support Disability After Dark and pledge yourself, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or more all the way up to whatever you want to support the show. And you'll get the show one day early and a weird shout out for me. And maybe you can also do a show with me and create content with me as a, an episode. So if you're able to, please pledge to the show. Your support not only helps the show... But it also helps me as a disabled creator get to live. So I appreciate that. Thanks. But now, on to today's show. If you've been listening to my episodes for a while now, you know how much I love to bring on gay men on this show and get them to talk about their ableism within the queer community. You know it's one of my favorite things, and I do this in a... In a series that I've been calling What Would Happen to You If You Became Disabled Tomorrow? And I got to do one of those today with 
my two new friends, my fellow podcasters, my fellow queer gay men that I kind of fell in love with. I reached out to these two friends a couple months ago, asking them to be on their podcast to talk about disability. And we did that. We had such a fun time. And I was like, well, you have to come on my show now because it would just be so fun. So I got to sit down with Race Cooper and Matt Fuller, the co-hosts of the Daddy Issues podcast. I was on their episode 25 a couple weeks ago, and now I am having them on my show to talk about queerness and disability. And we have such a fun chat on this episode. We talk about not only what would happen to their experiences if they became disabled tomorrow, we talk about, I get them to share with me how they first came to interact with a disabled person, how they feel about Kanye West's mental health stuff. Race Cooper also does a, runs a fitness company. So we talk about how his life would change if he were to become disabled and how his views on fitness might change. We also talk to Matt Fuller, who does um, real estate. And so we talk about the inaccessibility of real estate if he were to become disabled and how his job might change. We talk about so many things here. It was really nice to sit down with these two guys and just have a chat. We also talk about race and disability because Race Cooper is somebody who is a, a person of color, a black person. So we talk about how his experience of blackness would be changed if he were to become disabled. There's so much to unpack here, and I kind of really love this thought experiment kind of episodes. And so I was really, really lucky and thankful to get the two of them on my show. So first things first, you should listen to my episode of Daddy Issues with them, and it's on their podcast feed, episode 25. Have a listen. We talk about ableism. And then you should, of course, listen to this episode where we explore the idea what would happen if a race and Matt became disabled tomorrow right here on a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Race Cooper and Matt Fuller of the Daddy Issues Podcast. Hello. Hi. How are you, Andrew? Hi. I'm so happy to have you on my show because I was just on your show, like, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks, a month. Epi- episode, episode 25, if you want to be exact. I mean, <laughs> anyone wanted to download it. What is, what, is, what is time as a factor when you're on lockdown and sheltering in place, really? Who knows anymore? I don't even know what year it is. It's 2085, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, 20, so, 2085 was supposed to be a lot more advanced than this. That's I know, all right? I'm saying. Right. And hello, Andrew. Hello. What you can't so see. We're so excited to be on your podcast. I can see that from your nipples. What the audience <laughs> can't see right now is that both Matt Fuller and Ray Cooper have decided to adorn the show with their with their chests, which feels nice. Um, I feel bad. Allegedly, yeah. they can't see us. Andrew could I mean, be making this entire story up. Yeah. I could, but I'm not because it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel also bad that as a disabled person right now, I couldn't just whip off my shirt, but that's the joy of being crippled. Well, could not do it. Yeah, it's okay. You get to be the daddy in scenario, and we get to be the subs. So <laughs> I'm there for that. Well, we'll see, that. There, see uh, here, I'll th- throw a new acronym for you. C-M-N-M. 
Does that Wait. mean anything to you? C M N M. Crippled clothed, nah, clothed man, naked man. It's apparently a fetish thing. Oh, I didn't. I, I see. Not up on my fetish stuff. Um, You're welcome. For anyone who's listening, who's like, who the fuck are these people that are just talking to right now? Can you, can you both introduce yourselves to the Disability After Dark audience and say who you are and what you do? Yeah, you want to take this matter, or you want me to take it? Well, you can go first. Introduce okay. yourself. Sure, sure. So, hey, I'm Maurice Cooper. I'm one half of the Daddy Issues podcast. Um, a lot of people may have known me from my work in the porn industry for a long while, because it was uh, uh, probably about seven years ago I retired from the porn industry. But still, people recognize me from that. Um, I work uh, in San Francisco working uh, with my fitness industry company, uh, and I'm best friends with my co-host, which is... Matt. That's me. Yeah. Hey, I am Matt Fuller, also in San Francisco. And uh, long ago and far away, I hired this crazy dude with like amazing abs, Keith Cooper, to be my personal trainer. And along the way, we've become really good friends and had enough insane conversations in the gym that we were like, these conversations should be a podcast. So we started a podcast. Uh, and uh, we are up to episode number 30, and you are our guest on episode number 25, so thank you for being a guest on the podcast. And uh, to pay the bills here in San Francisco, I own a, a residential real estate brokerage. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction, and just for people who have, um, who maybe need things described to them, can you describe how you both look right now? Sure. So I am uh, 5'11". Uh, about 178 pounds, um, a muscular body, um, a shaved head, uh, beard, uh, and a, a, most people would give me the black <laughs> as as a good way to describe my skin type. <laughs> uh, but you know, I I encompass a lot of different ethnicities inside my uh, history. Uh, but uh, I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and and so I do have some like Canadian Haida tattoos uh, on my chest and other parts of my body. Nice. nice. Is it my turn? Yeah. yeah. I'm a hobbit. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm a furry. You don't know what a hobbit is. <laughs> I'm a furry hobbit that has come out of the cave to have a podcast with you. Um, I look exactly like this guy on Instagram called Hotter Otter. H O T dot T E R dot O T T E R. And you should follow him because if enough of you do, then I'll pass this other guy named uh, Race Cooper. But not that that's a competition or anything. Okay, you need to describe how you physically look. Yeah. That. Okay, so Matt, I'll help him because Matt is uh, blonde. He's 5'7. He's about 155 pounds. Is that about it? Sure. I think so. Let's call it 153. Uh, yeah, 0.2. Not that anyone he, likes to scale a lot. He's a bearded blonde guy <laughs> with blue eyes that can melt your heart. Uh, and uh, and his beard is kind of uh, a little bit of gray and, and brown. Uh, but he's very furry. He's very furry chest and very furry abs. Yeah. Right. We, we, I thought I, thought I said friend. that. Hobbit. We, we best. <laughs> no, you said ho- Yeah. That's not helpful. I don't want to fuck a hobbit. I don't want to, uh, but I do want to fuck you, so I'm confused. <laughs> hey! Hey! Feelings. What about all the hobbits listening? 
They might want to fuck you. Li- listen, if there are any <laughs> hobbits listening to this episode, why do you have to be so bigoted against hobbits? Yeah, let's let's break oh let's break that this, let's break that down, Andrew. That's coming together. Shit, girl. Shit. Jeez. I mean, I didn't realize that I was such a hobbit a hobbit hater. Hobbit, hobbit hater. Hobbit bigot. Hobbit bigot. Um, there, there's some t-shirt potential here. I'm thinking I, I think we're recording this for later. We're going to put the t-shirt line out for hobbits. <laughs> yeah, I'll test, I'll I'll test wear them all. <laughs> Amazing. I'm there for it. Yes. Um, um, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sitting out with me today. I want to start the show because you are both, you both identify as not disabled. So I love having conversations with non-disabled gay men about ableism because it makes them feel really uncomfortable and that's fun for me. <laughs> no, but I like to, because I like to get them to, to talk about disability. So I'd love to hear from you and I guess we'll go, I guess we'll alternate humans. Um, but I'd love to hear from either of you. What is your experience with disability just in your life? What experience do you have with disabled people? Or okay, not I'll go life? first. Um, uh, I had uh, in like so I'm working kind of off of childhood memories here. Uh, and when I was very young, uh, I had like a, an uncle slash cousin. I think he was technically a cousin, but so old he seemed like uh, an uncle who was uh, a disabled veteran from the Korean War. Um, and in addition to being like a disabled veteran. Uh, he also had a bunch of hormonal issues going on that were never discussed. And it was uh, especially unclear to like a six-year-old Matt, like what all of this was about. Um, so in the family, um, you know, that was the, the person in the family. My mother uh, is a social worker. And for a period of time, she worked uh, at a closed rehabilitation shop in Denver, Colorado. And I remember going to work with my mom um, and uh, they actually made tile, uh, ceramic tile there. And so I remember going from the ceramic tile shop to the cafeteria on this campus with my mom. And we stopped by a, a classroom uh, for some reason of developmentally disabled kids about my age. And one of them immediately ran up to my hair and pulled it as hard as he could. Um, not in a mean way, but just oh, in a friendship. very, very curious way, right? It was, you know, fascinating blonde hair to him. Uh, but as a kid, it was also like very terrifying. Um, you know, so I, I will be honest that I often make myself overly uptight uh, when I'm with uh, people that are. Uh, disabled, not because I'm afraid they're going to like do anything to me or, or anything like that, but just, you know, there are some strange childhood experiences uh, that I guess were just strange childhood experiences. And I guess the other part of that is as long as we're talking about disability, as long as we're just like opening up the closet here, uh, like both of my, uh, on both sides of my genetic line, there is a, a family a history of mental illness, uh, depression, alcoholism and suicide but our hearts are great <laughs> good All right. to know <laughs> um i have so many things i want to unpack in that first we'll get to you in one sec coop um so matt are you so we've talked a couple times and now that i know you have a 
have a deathly fear of disabled people and being uptight around them. Were I do you, not have a deathly fear of disabled you, people. Were you scared? Stop of putting me? words in my mouth, Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> wow. Were you scared when we first started talking that I pull your hair? No. I was. I was kind of excited. Maybe you would. Oh, I mean. That's still on the table. It's fine. It's <laughs> how you show somebody you like them. Yeah. <laughs> you tell them to pull it harder. It's fine. Just pull it See? harder. Right? Like a handshake. Works as a kid, works as an adult. Totally. <laughs> right? But, but now that I'm in my 40s, just pull a little gentler. That's, that's all no, I No, harder. <laughs> oh, you don't want that. That's yeah, a lie. Coming out. It's coming out. Um, and so, Coop, can you tell me a little bit about your disability experiences? Sure. Sure. So, um, growing up, uh, last of, uh, four kids in, uh, downtown Toronto. Um, and, uh, so we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, um, but what we did have was probably, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, religious faith in helping others. At least that's what me and my siblings tried to do. Um, not always with our parents, but, that's another story. Um, so uh, there was the one time in high school, uh, my sister decided uh, early on that she wanted to start taking care of uh, disabled uh, teenagers or helping to be a caregiver for them. Uh, she wanted to start working towards her early childhood education and for special needs learning. Um, and she was focused on doing this probably around the age of like 17 17, close to 18. Um, and I was 16 at the time. So um, there were two girls in which she um, was uh, helping to take care of from two families. One was Tammy and one was uh, Sheila, uh, I believe. And uh, Tammy um, uh, and her became very, very close friends. Uh, Tammy, I believe she had uh, a, a wave spina bifida, I believe she had. Um, so it was very hard for her to walk, but great personality. And Tammy, I didn't get to know as much. She definitely had cerebral palsy. Hey. Um, yeah. So, so as a teenager, this is my kind of first introduction to the state of the world was through my sister who was helping to k- take care of them and learning all about, uh, disabled needs and disabled, uh, community and disabled families. Um, so every once in a while as a teenager, she would, you know, calling up or say, I need your help with, because we're going to do this. And I need, you know, I need a I body. Muscles. I had that. muscles at 16. I started having muscles. at because I was like, I need your strength. Let's, I need you to help me carry wheelchairs and like do stuff and like just come out. And, yeah. um, and at first I was kind of like apprehensive, but then, you know, you start to get to know people and you get to know the families and you get to know the girls and, and, you know, the girls were fun. They were fun to talk to, and they were really funny. And, and Tammy had this huge crush on me. So it made me feel kind of awkward because I was like, oh, no, no, no. I've never, uh, like, I was, I was just not knowing how to respond. But after a while, I just kind of laughed it off that Tammy is just a big flirt. And she likes boy bands, and she likes to flirt with boys. I mean, so, <laughs> her and I sound familiar now. We'd be right. friends. Right. Um, so so uh, pretty much all the rest of high school have had that experience with helping uh, with caregiving and getting to know those families. Um, Tammy became maid of honor at my sister's wedding later on when she was in her 20s. Um, and uh, unfortunately, Sheila died um, uh, probably before her 18th birthday. Um, mm-hmm. 
but um, but I had I had that kind of experience to kind of you know mold me in a way of recognizing people's worth beyond their physical abilities, um, and that helped me you know in college because I started uh, I think in university I was starting to uh, teach gymnastics as my side hustle, but outside of that every once in a while I'd be volunteering at the uh, blind center to help uh, kids go swimming. So um, it's just became a kind of normal thing about me and and I thought Matt never knew this about me because I never really talked about it that much but you know I always say that you know a big indication for me was like going to a big party outside and I'm the only person that would usually kind of notice the person in the wheelchair trying to get to the dance floor and I just like push people aside so they can make way and it's just it's not a big thing but it's it's something when you have that experience of being around people and you know uh that they're just trying to have as much fun as everybody else you try to yeah make sure they're inclusive. I mean, it's not a big thing, but it is a big thing because in the, as somebody who's been to many parties where I couldn't get on the dance floor and had to push my way through many drunken yeah. moments to know somebody's trying to help, I yeah. think is really valuable. And I'm like and, your bouncer. I'm like the, I'm like the disabled bouncer guy. <laughs> amazing. Like, you able person move out of the fucking way. You can't dance. Look at him spin. <laughs> I mean, I would much rather swim with you and flirt with you. That's what I would do if I was, if you were, if we were at the swimming center. I would pick you as my swimming partner for sure. Uh, um, so, so how do you think that both of those experiences, either one of you, kind of shaped your views on disability going forward? Well, Matt, you go first. Uh. I'm just sitting here listening to your experience and I'm like, wow, I draw the short straw on that one. <laughs> you had one person pull your hair and you were like, done, done. <laughs> well, um, let's just, you know, let's not rehash all of the, the strange isms of Matthew Fuller as a child. Let's just not even dig into that one um you know but i think that the the bigger impact of those experiences uh was really that like neither of them were like really discussed right like you know like you know um life went on right like sometimes people just pull your hair matt fuller what's the big deal um you know uh, you know, could have just as, as easily happened in any other classroom, you know, so it's like, march on, Matt, let's go have lunch. That was, you know, that was my mom's reaction, which is a very valid reaction in many ways, uh, but it's also invalidating in the moment, uh, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, like, should, like, what just went down here? Like, did I do something wrong? Like, you know, I mean, um, I thought we were buds. Uh, um, you know, uh, but, and then on the, the family front, it was more that, uh, he was like the strange uncle that no one ever discussed. Um, you know, so the, the implicit message there was, you know, this is not something that we discuss openly. Um, you know, so that was definitely a message that was picked up. And the other thing that uh, stands out to me as I'm listening to Coop, uh, talk about his experiences is how, you know, I guess my formative impressions really of people with disabilities uh, were really formed by lack of people to actually get to know. I mean, if I look at all of my elementary, middle, and high school years, 
I don't know that anyone that was not able-bodied attended any of my schools. I'm like, I, I bet you a million dollars. I'm sure there were. I know there were. But yeah. like, did I know that? I'm like, were they visible? Like, I mean, um, so yeah, you know, I mean, so so that like, I mean, I, I think that, you know, lack of representation uh, as a kid and, you know, lack of learning to discuss it in a way that, you know, honors everyone in the conversation is, is you know, still something. I'm great at reading rooms. <laughs> <laughs> you will need to tell us that story in a minute because I, I, that story needs to be retold. It's really funny. Uh, <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should listen to episode 25 of Daddy Issues or he'll not tell it in a minute. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, listen to episode 25. It's way better there. I'm sure. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to tell that story again whether you like it or not. I'm going to make you do it. It's fine. And, and race, how about, how did those experiences change who you are in terms of um, so it it definitely makes me um, more considerate I think considerate is no word uh, conscience conscious of uh, difference conscious of uh, seeing people uh, uh, sexually uh, leadership wise uh, and not dependent on you know their ability uh, to to stand or not have to deal with a, a crippling disease, um, and and of course having that helped me. You know, of course, when it became HIV positive, because that you know was already kind of that 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 model was already there, right? I I didn't already think that I was less than when I became HIV positive. I felt like, okay, this is something you deal with. It's now part of your life. Yes, it sucks, but hey, it's life. Uh, so adjust to this new reality, and and you know, don't let the HIV become like all of you. It's part of you, but don't let it become all of you. And uh, and work your way through it. And so. And I think by working my way through it, you know, I'm not saying to myself, you know, this is what your body is like when you're HIV positive. You know, this is what your limitations are um, with with having an AIDS diagnosis, uh, because I've, I haven't let that stop me in my training and my nutrition and in, in, in my quest for knowledge. Yeah. So so um, so that's that's a big thing. And I think the the other thing is to uh, kind of be able to recognize because I can recognize that in myself. Of course I can recognize when other people are uncomfortable or need help. And it's like, a, it's, it's now strongly ingrained in me to always try to be inclusive and to help people that are, uh, have a disability or are different because it's in some ways I know, how they're feeling and then some ways i also know what it's like to have to stand by while they're having to deal with these things um and so it's it's you know like i said the example of the dance floor dance floor is a really good one but it's also in just kind of like even with with creating my business like you know every time i was like looking at gyms or things that were like smaller gym operations or box gyms to like create or or, or start construction on, you know, the big question in my head is like, okay, is this going to be accessible? It needs to be accessible. It didn't matter whether I had somebody in my life that was going to be, or a client that was rare. Like I wanted to make sure this is accessible. So I was going to still 
check with my friend, even though he was going to train with me. I'm like, dude, bring a wheelchair over. Like, I need you to kind of like run through this place and tell me where things need to go. Right. And having that is a big, I didn't think of that as a big thing. I thought that it's kind of like, okay, that's normal because there's certain rules that you have to have in your construction anyway. Yeah. With it's, ADA and everything. With yeah, ADA yeah. compliance. However, I was still finding a number of gyms that weren't compliant with that. And they were compliant with, with that because I don't know, they, paid somebody on the table to kind of like sweep it over, but they just didn't find it important. Yeah. And I think, you know, my experience of gyms and, you know, being that we're all queer and gay and we like to suck dick for fun, you know, the gym (laughs) is, the gym is something that that we do to make ourselves feel good. And I find every, every time as a, particularly as a power wheelchair user with a big honking 300 pound chair, going into a gym and trying to use any of that equipment is like, Oh yeah, this is not designed for me in the least. Right. right who who like there needs to be gyms for for power chair users and and fitness programs designed for someone that can't get out of their chair and i know there are i know there have been programs that have been designed but they're they're really not looking at ways to design equipment around a, a different body type and around somebody sitting in a chair particularly not a manual chair because i think when we think wheelchair people assume we're yeah. immediately talking about like a sleek, sexy, right. push yourself racing chair. Right. You no, know, I, I mean a three hundred pound piece of chrome. Right. Am, it's like a car, but smaller. Yeah, it's like a car, <laughs> but in the gym. So, like, what ways did you, as a as an owner of this business, try to make it more accessible? Well, here's the thing is that I didn't get to the chance to do it. I was in the process of the construction and then the pandemic hit. Oh, no. Right. right? So then I had to like pull that completely uh, of doing that construction and and doing that. But in trying to pivot with this new way, rather than trying to fight the system of, okay, this is changing the whole fitness industry as it is changing many industries uh, across uh, uh, the world. Um, I needed to find a new way to still service people that desperately still wanted training, but do it in a way that was still safe for them because safe is a big cornerstone for my company. So I decided to buy a van and now I'm outfitting it presently with equipment so that I can mobile train and I can go to somebody's location and then either train them in their driveway or train them. uh, And and that way it's a little bit more safer to do it, but as well, I'm bringing the equipment to you. So in a way, so in a way it, it makes it, accessible to you because it's it's equipment that's brought to you yeah and i think that's fantastic i also think if you're gonna do that you might want to do like that when you mentioned you want to talk about fitness and disability i was immediately like oh fitness feels because sometimes i feel like when we talk about fitness and disability there's this overarching belief that like you can work out your disability and you can work away your cp and if you work hard enough like like, so i just want to make sure that like if you do this Remember yeah. that the person that you're working with will still be disabled after you're done. Right. No, I'm not. I'm not that new on 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 fitness because, uh, regardless of the porn time that I I worked for, you know, a, a while ago, you know, before that I was working as a gymnastics coach from the age of 18. So I basically have had like over 26 years working in fitness, uh, in child's programs and in, uh, conditioning and strength training and bodybuilding and, and, and helping those that are disabled. So uh, I have a little bit more knowledge than to like say, Oh, this is going to cure you, <laughs> or this is going to, this is going to undo what you don't have more or less when it comes to fitness for disabled people, it is for the same thing 
uh, and goals that most people have to feel better about themselves, yeah. to feel healthy. And uh, whether it's whether you're stepping outside or you're or you're rolling outside for sunshine, it's kind of the same effect on a mental basis, right? You're 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 encouraging endorphins inside your body. Your your movement in itself is helpful to you in making you feel um, accomplished and productive and to uh, make you feel happier, especially when depression sets in. So that's always been my mindset when it comes to fitness and training. So it was never, you know, and I would make sure that trainers under me, under me understood this is that, you know, this is your focus. Everything else outside of their goal is, is extraneous to this focus. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just think, it's interesting when we talk about fitness, we often talk about like being healthy. And I, I would offer to you that so many disabled people don't feel healthy and aren't healthy because of their disabilities. And so the word, the word healthy is in some, in some communities, not everyone, but some people feel, I don't want to say trigger, but they feel that that word is uncomfortable for them because there's them being healthy, like them feeling better is great, but them getting healthy is never going to be a part of the experience. And when I'm learning and in talking with a lot of, disabled and chronically ill people about fitness in the gym and like feeling better and just talking to them about their day to day. They're like, I'm not healthy. I'm sick. And that's all right. So like, like maybe in part of what you do is things start moving ahead again. You like incorporate sickness. as like a cool, not a, not like a cool trendy thing, but a way of talking about the body that, that like is inclusive for them too. Yeah. I, I don't know how I would actually frame that because, you know, I get the idea that, there's no kind of like healthy paramount, right? There's no kind of like you're healthy, right? It's everything's towards feeling healthy, yeah. right? Which is different, right? So I can't say that, you know, even as personalization positive, even someone who I've had who's uh, is uh, still dealing with cancer that I've had to train, even someone who's just had a, a bypass surgery that I've had to train, even someone who's come from uh, rehabilitation for uh for a car accident, you know, there's still the thing of feeling healthy. Yeah. Right. So I'm not sure how I can frame that in which that it's still, it's still inclusive of those that are disabled and still inclusive of people that are, that are, that are sick when you're trying to help them feel something rather than to be something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand. I'm just, I'm just hearing a lot of, a lot of from the community when you discount illness they're like, oh, we should talk about that. So I don't, know, I don't, I have no idea how you would do that. I'm just offering it as like a thing. You yeah, no, say. no, it's it's totally good because I hadn't really even thought about it in that way. But I'm not sure how I would actually kind of frame that to get that that mindset in because you, you know could. we all we all kind of need that kind of uh, physical stimulation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you for sharing about your status. I don't think we talked about that slash I didn't know about it. So yeah. thanks for sharing about that. I know. Oh, no problem. No problem. Do you consider- I'm becoming more open about it recently than I was uh, a while ago. And it's, it's only because of the podcast. So it's kind of been, it's been kind of pulled out of me with, with our talks with guests and with, you know, Matt and I having our conversations. Do you consider the HIV a disability or disabling at some points? Um, no, I mean, it's, I think maybe when I was first diagnosed when I was 28, I probably did. Now I don't. Uh, it's just, it's, it's condition, you know, it's a condition just as much as me being like, uh, I don't know, uh, allergic to peanuts, <laughs> you know, like, um, it's in some way it's, it's not 
as much of a disability. I, I don't think so because it doesn't, it doesn't really stop me from anything that I still desire to do. Um, I can't get blood, uh, but very little, <laughs> very little else is there that um, I, I think, I think when I was younger, I was probably had more, more emphasis on it because, you know, I was always telling, wanting to have kids and I was always wanting to be like, use my own sperm for fatherhood. And, you know, not that that, that is unavailable to me. There's still ways and process to do that. They're expensive, but still do it. Uh, but um, it kind of reset my kind of thinking around that too. So I can't say exactly that it's, it's in, in between for me in some, in some ways it feels like there were things that I couldn't do that I changed, but, but as I grew older, they, their importance wasn't as prominent. All right. Awesome. I want to move to the, to the fun part of the podcast, which is getting you both to think about what would happen if you, and this is a thought experiment that I've had with, with a lot of able-bodied gay dudes on my show, asking them to think about what would happen if you became a wheelchair user tomorrow? I couldn't go home. You couldn't go why home? Yeah, why, why? Why? Like I would, I would not be able to get into my house without a whole lot of uh, adaptive work. Right to so I have, live on you have a to very. Your house. I'm getting there. Are you? <laughs> I mean, like, unless you want to, like, go ahead. No, 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 no. Describe okay. your house. I mean, you're working okay. real estate. Um, <laughs> do I? Okay, thank you. Well, it's a house. So uh, it's a it's an Edwardian building built in uh, 1908. It was originally built as two units that have been uh, converted into two separate condominiums. Uh, it's on a very steep hill, uh, you know, somewhere between a 10 and 15 percent grade. And uh, you know, to walk, uh, I do have a garage, uh, and to get from the garage to the front door uh, requires uh, a very narrow winding exit through the garage uh you know up uh the driveway is inclined up and then there are like 12 steps um from the sidewalk to my front door uh and if i didn't want to go in that way if i was to take the side entrance um that one has uh i guess you'd call it you know a half step, uh, you know, between the garage and a hallway, and then two steps uh, down from that hallway. Uh, that puts me on a deck uh, that would uh, either put me at a set of stairs or uh, at a door that would have two stairs inside. Cool. So I'm not coming over to your house when we hang out because there's no way in fuck I get in there. <laughs> True. So, you know, I mean, that's that's the first thing um, is that, you know, if I wanted to stay together with my family, either we would have to do some serious adaptation uh, or, you know, sell the house and live somewhere else. Cool. And I can just picture like that gradient to that, like 10 to 15 percent grade to your house. I can picture my wheelchair like flying down that hill and me being like, oh, fuck. Well, there, that's the end of my life right there. Just trying to get to my tubs for that hookup. Great, I died. <laughs> Breaks! Breaks! <laughs> Just because it happened one time. 
Wait a second. So, mean, so, it'll so, happen again. So, Matt, okay, about your house. You can't get into your house, though. What other ways would your life be different? Yeah. Work, family, what? Well, I mean, my family would still love and adore me just as much as they do now. So <laughs> they wouldn't, I'm sure, I'm they wouldn't sure love and adore you much hey, like they do now? You sound like my teenager. <laughs> um, so in terms of my career, uh, I would need to find a new career. Uh, as a, a real estate broker in San Francisco, uh, while real estate offices fall under the ADA Act and need to be accessible, uh, there is no such requirement for homes that are for sale. Uh, right. So super you know, accessible, San Fran. <laughs> right. Well, in anywhere in America, yeah. right. um, you know. So I could probably get to you know the front door of about. 20 i could get to the front door the front outside door you know of, of all of them at least that reminds me of some, some of them not all of them. that reminds me of me trick-or-treating as a kid my brothers would have to go up to the person and knock on the door and be like hi trick-or-treat um my brother's downstairs in the bush he can't uh come to your house can you make sure he gets candy please thanks <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would be the realtor downstairs in the bush, like, <laughs> right. ask, ask, asking for candy. <laughs> right, basically, pay I me money. Go, I go take a walk around the house by yourself. Here's the keys. Yeah, just do, <laughs> your, own, do, your, own house, do your own house inspection. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right, so so let's see here. So we like my my house no longer works for me. Uh, my career no longer works for me. So you know, two of the the most fundamental parts of my identity. Uh, are suddenly, you know, fundamentally transformed. Um, and, you know, let's see what else changes. Um, your, what's your body, left? Your my body. body. Uh, well, you know, I, I, you, when, I, when I started working with you, Coop, you promised that you would make me taller. <laughs> it's a no fucking such thing. <laughs> Don't fucking lie. And it, and it hasn't happened yet, but I would never put that pressure on you if I was in a wheelchair. I mean, I mean, so like day. honestly, like I mean, I couldn't go to a gym, right? Like you know, good like getting into fitness SF. Like we like fitness SF. I'm not knocking them. Any of like the the smaller gyms, you know, aren't going to be for the most part anymore accessible. Um, so, you know, back to, to some form of working out at home. Coop can um, just bring the the mobile van to you and then you I, guys I, can work out together. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would probably do in that is bring the mobile van for him to work out. And then I'd be probably encourage him to because because Matt's, you know, regardless of whether he has a disability or not, Matt is a super competitive person. So I'm pretty sure that I could convince him to go into some sort of like uh, Paralympics or something in order for him to get something uh, uh, physically out of it. I mean, I think he'd be a golden boy at the Paralympics. Like I would, yeah. I'd, 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 I'd vote for him. Yeah, totes, totes I, think, I think it's I think it's actually a competition and not a ballot. But but I like I like the way I like the way you're ranking. Maybe it. I'm flirting with you. I don't know. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So that okay, we're not done yet. So your career would change. Your gym routine would change. What about your sex life? I don't know. I mean, like I have a husband. We have great sex. He's not going anywhere when I'm in a wheelchair, so he's he's still better put out. 
<laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, I mean, he's not. He's not like. Are you trying to? Are you trying to get him off the hooks? I'm gonna be in a wheelchair. <laughs> well, no. I'm trying to say, like, do you think that your sex life? Like, what? Okay. Let me be well, really if I was mean. single, then I would be like. Well, much if you more... were single, we would be hanging out lots more. But uh... see, right? So, like, would I really have anything to worry about my sex life either way here, no, Andrew? <laughs> okay. All right. But I, what I'm trying to get at is, what kind of sex do you have with your partner now? Uh. What does that have to do with being disabled? I'm trying it's to figure sex. out how uh-huh. you being a wheelchair user would change the kind of sex you have is what I'm trying to ask you. Well, I mean, I would be a lot less mobile, obviously. True. Right? So, but as I like, like to say, uh, I can't walk, but I sure can use my mouth. I guess I guess what Andrew's getting at is that you'd be better at deep throating, huh, Matt? I guess, I guess that's where I guess I guess that's where we're going. Matt silence is like what you that's, mean I wasn't good already? What? <laughs> Back um, to Matt being very competitive. What? What? <laughs> what? What? I'll take that challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. Um and so Coop, how do you think your life would change if you were to become disabled? Um Wait, wait, back to me. <laughs> Uh, asserting his white privilege once again. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> what, no, no. What, I'm what, sorry, what, Andrew. Did it? you hear something? Because I didn't. Um, I plead the fifth. I'm saying very quiet right now. You can't plead the fifth. You're in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> exercising my Canadian right not to speak. Uh, okay. Uh, do you have something to add there, Matt? Uh, no. okay you fucking duck anyway this is my best friend you can understand why we wanted to record ourselves for make a podcast yeah you guys are are so awesome together okay uh okay so how would my life change um presently i'm in a apartment townhouse on ground level so i think that would actually be great yeah, we're actually good. We'd probably take one ramp to the front door, but that's about it. Uh, we have had a friend with the wheelchair. Uh, one of my friends, her husband, uh, is in a wheelchair, and we've had him over for dinner, so it wasn't an issue. I tried to make sure that it was accessible enough and he could use the bathroom. So I know that I can still do that inside this place. However, it would mean that uh, we probably couldn't move to anything else bigger uh or at least we'd have to if we're going to buy a house we'd have to put a lot of changes into it um and here's the thing about buying a house you know drastically that would cut our income uh in half right because you know i'm working with my company i would have to sell my company there's no freaking way i could be able to do any of those things yeah Uh, it's such a physical job to be personal training, even when I'm doing it online, just to demonstrate exercises uh, for every kind of person, you know, it takes some physicality and moving weights and moving things around. And I'm constantly in use of my body. So I would have to find a new job, maybe just doing voiceovers. I don't know if I'd be able to. Uh, So, so uh, home wouldn't change that much. Uh, Job would totally be done and my company would be done which is sad because i've been working on it for a long time um uh my relationship with my husband would probably still be fairly the same uh although you know 
because we're open and we're poly, you know, I probably wouldn't have as many sexual partners. I would just probably stick with my husband. Um, so um, I'm trying to think what else would change in my life. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be able to visit Matt. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to visit my friend's place anymore. <laughs> I'd like, I'd probably tell him, you I need to move. You I, need to I, move because we can't be friends anymore. You need to move. Well, Matt could build a ramp. Yeah, right. It's a really, really steep ramp. Up yeah, that's right. Let me help you to the door. Right. <laughs> Carry me, Matt. Carry me. <laughs> I'm, I'm down for that fan fiction. I'm down for let's, let's make uh, that happen. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things that I love to do uh, socially, um, hanging out with Matt, you know, a lot of those things would be kind of curtailed. And, you know, it would be very tough. It would be very tough to try to fight depression uh, with all those things happening. And I can't deny that, that, that I haven't been affected by depression before. So it would be, it would just, it would be a hard adjustment for me. Very, very hard adjustment for me. Is there any part, you know what else Coop? What? Like neither one of us, like, I mean, going out to the clubs would be a thing of the past. Right. Just like they are now. Um, but oh! <laughs> Don't crush my dreams for 2021. I but, can't see Matt Fuller at the club. I, I can't. What does that look like? Oh, yeah. No, trust me. We got pictures. I'll, I'll send you some. Like um, this. But just like that. Exactly. It's Awkward like otter. I'm here for that. All right. Um, but I got to say that different than, you know, Matt wouldn't be able to do his job, but and I wouldn't be able to do my job, but I've been so focused on, uh, physical training and it being part of my life even more than it be my job. It, I think that's why I would be in more of a depression because I've been doing this, you know, I've been training people since I was 18. You know, it's, it's not just, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not just a career for me. It has been like my life, my dedication, uh, my addiction to fitness for such a long time and it would be really hard because I think I would have to kind of not only readjust my work, but I have to readjust who I think of myself as completely. Yeah. I think you'd really have to confront some ableism there that you probably yeah. had. And I, I feel like some people that I, that I've met who have, who acquire their disabilities, like my experience with disability is different because I was born disabled. So I don't know anything different. This is it's in my bones. It's in my DNA. It's who I am. I feel like people who acquire their disabilities and anybody listening, if I'm wrong, come for me and tell me how wrong I am. But, but yeah. I, I feel like there are some people who acquire disability who have a lot of ableist mindsets and that's probably really hard to get over. And I think he, if yeah. you were to acquire disability, you'd have to really th consider some ableist things you never thought of before or never realized yeah. were a problem until you became disabled. I also think well, for you, Coop, um, as a person of color, being disabled you would have to deal with a lot of that. A lot yeah, of like, on top of it, you know, yeah. like, like not only am I having to deal with not having agency over my body in some ways, but then I have to deal with the racism on top of that when it comes to medical care. Yeah. So um, yeah, it would be very, very difficult. And, and I'm reminded that I had a friend in New York, his name was Zaccaro. Uh, he was a photographer. And uh, I think it was maybe like two years ago, uh, that he fell out of a window while I was shooting a photography of a friend uh, from two stories and he uh, was paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and 
and I know he had a really tough year trying to adjust to new life because, you know, his whole thing was as a photographer, you have to be able to move around and he couldn't do that. And, uh, and pretty much a year after his accident, you know, after rehab, he committed suicide. So I, I know, uh, firsthand how, how difficult it was. Cause you know, we'd have talks and I, you know, you know, my, my biggest fear is that he would kind of give up on life and then it happened. I'm sorry to hear that. That's, uh, I can only, I can, and again, I have a privilege of being born in this body. So I've never had to deal with that kind of loss yeah. in that way. And I can, it would be, um, was there any part of this question that when I posed it to both of you, was there any part of that that scared you, either one of you? Uh, I mean, it scared me in having to confront that, you know, I, I would have to kind of face depression and I've and, and battled that a long time as an abled person, you know, in my youth, especially coming out and, you know, dealing with racism and all this other stuff um, to have that amplified by being uh, disabled, uh, you know, it's fearful, right? It's, it's, it's like, how do you come out of that? How do you start seeing the ray of sunshine out of that? You know, like you are basically even more than you, Andrew, as a black person and being disabled, I would be hurt even less because when we think of disabled people, generally we're thinking about white disabled people. We're not thinking about colored disabled people. Yeah. Right. So, so I know that, that it, that is the big fear that I would have. And I think that's super valid and many, many disabled people who, who are fighting for disabled rights as people of color talk about how as a person of color they are as a person of color who's disabled or a disabled black person their lives don't matter and they're not they're not given the same palatability as say me as a white person doing what i do yeah i I do think about if i was a person of color could i do what i do could i say what i say could i have the platforms that i do i don't know and i think that's something that i that i as a disability activist constantly have to be aware of my own privilege in this space. I'm very careful to let people who are of color, who are disabled speak first, because why should I come first? So I I really try to, I try my hardest to do that. And sometimes they fuck up and sometimes they don't. Um, um, I wanted to give you both a chance to ask me some super ableist questions because I think it's fun. That. So I wanted <laughs> to give wait, you both a chance. Don't don't I get to answer the question? No, yeah, Matt yeah, Fuller, yeah. no. <laughs> Enough white privilege. Enough. You just get to look pretty on camera and you, rub your tips. You, you sit in the corner with your Aryan white whiteness and your blue eyes. <laughs> you sit in the corner. <laughs> yes, Matt Fuller, you can answer, You're allowed to answer the question in the corner. Sorry, this is just funny. (laughs) Okay, go ahead, Matt. We're listening. Yeah, it's good. So, like, uh, when you asked, like, you know, did doing this exercise scare me? um, I would say, like, the the most terrifying version of being alive that I can imagine for myself is having a brain that is completely cognizant of everything that is happening around me and a complete inability to communicate, respond, or interact with anything, right? So um, that is not being in a wheelchair, but it is certainly, you know, going from fully able-bodied to being in a wheelchair is kind of 
much closer, uh, you know, it's, it's along that spectrum. So I can tell you that number one, I would completely be paranoid and freaked out that like, you know, more of my body was going to, to fail or otherwise change, or, you know, I would lose more of my remaining capabilities. Uh, just like Coop, uh, you know, exercise is uh, very core to not only my identity, but my mental health routine. Uh, and that would be, you know, gone. Um, you know, so like, uh, on addition to just all of the, you know, physical changes of, you know, house, career, etc. Like I would be completely and utterly mentally devastated. <laughs> I don't know how to segue into asking any of the questions from that, but I mean, I think, I think, you know, both of you have spoken about how your mental health would change. And I think it's important that we talk about that. I also think it's important that we talk about, you know, even though I was born disabled and this is part of who I am every day, I still deal with depression. I deal with mental health stuff. I deal with all these things as a disabled person who was born into a disabled body. So I think we do need more mental health supports for disabled people, whether their disabilities are acquired. And I think, I think it's, I think it's important that you both said, you know, my, our, my mental health would shift, but I think it's also important to say that g given the right supports and given the right community, i.e. we'd all be friends because we'd all be wheelchair this way. I would assume we'd be hanging out somewhere. So like- Mine would be the fastest. Fuck you. Mine would be the fastest. <laughs> We'd be like the Charlie's Angels of wheelchairs. <laughs> which, which one does that make me? I don't know. I'm very fossil. I mean, I think... Of course you are. Right? We I knew think... you were going to claim that one. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for that. But if yours is the fastest, mine has the biggest joystick, so... <laughs> Okay, totally take that claim, Andrew. Take that claim. All right. <laughs> so he, his is the fastest, mine's the biggest joystick, and what's yours? Coop's got nothing to prove. Coop's yeah, what's yours? You're just, uh, you're just whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just cool and relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I want to give you the chance to ask me some ableist questions because it's fun and it's like a good way of getting us to confront our ableism. So do you have any? ableist questions or things you wanted to ask but you were too afraid to here's another chance so wait like i didn't even i, I didn't prepare for this i would have made a long list okay, i mean because I... i'm pretty good at just like embarrassing myself on the spot anyway I but mean, like what's an example just segue into that funny story you had. well yeah but you had a so question wait, and i have an answer if you don't have your answer i got it uh, well yeah you go first okay so um so my ableist question is that me and Matt had this conversation regarding Kanye West. And we had this conversation about, you know, it's, it's apparent that, or, uh, you know, most people believe that he's bipolar. Um, I thought he admitted, like, didn't his wife say it? I mean, I, I don't, don't even think sure. like we're, you know, diagnosing him over the internet anymore. I don't know I if we're diagnosing him or the, I haven't, I haven't gotten 100%. 100% confirmation on that, but regardless. If Kim, does, call us, let us know. Yeah, anyway. if he does. Um, is it, I didn't think it was fair for people to pity him in the way uh, and not have him be accountable for some of the anti-blackness statements that he says um, that are very Uncle Tom of him or for the way that he has, he has, 
been a part of hurting this democracy by having running this ballot initiative when he has no desire to really hold the presidency or take any of this seriously. And there's just so much Twitter uh, and commentary like, oh, poor Kanye, he needs more meds or, or, or it's, too, it's too bad about that. And I'm like, well, why are you giving him sympathy? You know, is that, is it, is it, is it wrong to give sympathy to a person and not allow for them to be accountable for actions? I mean, I've met tons of bipolar people, but they don't do what Connie's doing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really great point. I loved it when you brought it up to me like a while ago. I was like, I want to talk about Kanye. I was like, yes, awesome. Um, Because I think that, you know, just because you're mentally ill or you have a disability, you still, there's still accountability there. You don't get a free pass just because you're disabled. If I said something horribly racist right now, which I would never do, but if I did, I would expect that both of you would be like, whoa, yeah, Yeah. whoa, 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 let's slow the hair roll down now. (laughs) Yeah, like that's, you know, and I've said stuff in my discourse as I learn and as I grow and as I do what I do as a disabled person that some people have come for me and said, you know what, that's ableist, I don't like that, here's why. So, but in terms of Kanye, who has such a public platform, he could be using that platform to discuss blackness and mental health. Right, using the platform to discuss money and mental, he could be using it to do so much good, so much more than what he's doing in ripping this country apart, and then using it for profit margin for his own company at the same time. Yeah, like I think it's, I think it's, I don't feel bad for him because he's mentally ill. I, I don't, I really, truly don't. And I think people who use his mental illness as a reason, as a free pass, are being ableist, whether they realize it or not. And I don't think that's fair. Right. So that's how I was feeling. What about you, Matt? Uh, about Kanye? Yeah. Uh, I I took more of the opposite view than you. Uh-oh. And it wasn't... It, well, <laughs> see, this is this is the nuance that I was attempting to go for. This is... Really, I mean, this is, this is our relationship. You know, this all. is how we do our podcast. <laughs> oh, I've, I've listened. I know, I know this is what... I, I don't believe that Kanye's mental illness gives him a pass, um, you know, but it, at the same time, I think that uh, has a mental illness. You know, if you, uh, I, I mean, I guess we're going to go here. I mean, <laughs> uh um, I hear, I hear the the crazy shit Kanye says, right? And I'm just like, okay, it's Kanye and he's bipolar. Uh, you know, I'm tuning it out. I feel bad that he's not seeking assistance or or getting help. Um, and it's just a train wreck of a shit show that I don't want to watch or egg on. But at the same time, I don't find his actions and statements as offensive or upsetting as Coop does. Right. But maybe that's because you're coming from a place of privilege. Yeah, that's what I would say, Coop. As a I can imagine for Coop as a black person that if the and somebody who's part of Coop's community the that he's especially, part of especially with the with the pulpit that big and with that much in resources. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean like Kanye has the resources to get any kind of mental therapy he wants, any kind of drug therapy he wants, any kind of assistance he wants in, in, 
in providing a role model for those that are that are of color and are bipolar, and yet he does not. Yeah, and I, I... and 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 you add on to that with some of the statements that are said that are anti-blackness, like Rosa Parks. Uh, like Harriet Tubman was not all that or anything that they're really striking the heart of black history and black suffering. And it's, and it's even more harmful because like it's you're not only are you not dealing with your shit, but you're piling on to our shit yep. and you're dancing for the white people. Like you're just doing it for their benefit. So you can cozy up to that white supremacy and that white power and that money that you want. Huh. And, yeah. and fuck the world and fuck your black community. And that's what he's saying every time he does that. And so I can't just kind of like scroll past it every time. It's like a dagger every fucking time. And I mean, the fact that, that he and his supporters would use his mental illness as a, as a way to soften that blow, I don't think it's right. fair. Right. I don't think it's fair at all. Um, Let's talk about other ableist things around disability or just, just quest, not even ableist stuff, just questions that you were like, I want to ask this. I'm curious about this, but I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if it's okay. Why don't you tell your story, Matt? <laughs> yeah, Matt, I do like this story. Once upon a time. <laughs> all right. Once upon a time. Sure, you why you do this. <laughs> yeah. R- rub your chest there and call me daddy. Once upon a time, Matt was asked to point the camera a little lower so he could tell everyone a story. Uh, I was uh, in a, a volunteer leadership position at a, a local Unitarian church. And, you know, so all of the committee meetings were some combination of, you know, quasi-spiritual, quasi-committee, quasi-productivity. And in this particular meeting, we all started with a a check-in about how we were and, you know, how we were feeling. And so I remember... Uh, you know, talking about how I was super stressed out for whatever reason de jour, uh, but I was also feeling really fortunate because I had been able to go for some like really great runs and, you know, running had been this part of my life for a long time where I learned to like really stress and, you know, it's been really important to me and I just couldn't imagine these last couple of weeks if I hadn't been able to run. And as I shut my mouth, I realized that the guy sitting next to me uh, is a friend uh, from church who is in a wheelchair uh, because of a, a progressive genetic disease. And he, too, was once a runner who was an incredible cross-country runner, and it was an important part of his life. And here I am going on and on about how awesome something that was awesome for him, too, but he can't do anymore is for me. So, yeah, that was great. Um, so, like I said on Daddy Who's Podcast episode 25, fucking read the room, Matt. Secondly... <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this more and I was thinking about this story more as we were talking and I was like, you know, he would probably want you to not eat two things could happen. He would probably want you to either bring it up and like, say, Oh wow. Like say, bring it up once and move on. But people have a tendency when they say the stuff to apologize 8,000 times after they've done it. And like, I mean, we do similar things when we say racist things or when we like, when we, whenever we hit an ism, we have a tendency to like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. That is not something that I would encourage anyone to do because it's 
really annoying after the first time. Right. Well, it's it's can, kind can of like I racial. On that? It's racial yeah. stamina versus like ableism stamina. Stamina, right? Like yeah. you, you, you want to be able to digest it, you know, reflect on it, and move on. And the more that you kind of bring it up, the more that you shows that it's bothering you more than the person that you've inflicted. Yeah, it's on. something. <laughs> it's something you did, not yeah. something you're actually sorry for. Yeah. Sorry, but right, but I was actually. It's funny that you bring that up because that's exactly what I was going to go. Just like in you know America, where we are, you know, trained. Uh, from a very young age as, as white people not to talk about race. Uh, so we have very little racial stamina when anything awkward uh, or uncomfortable comes up around race. It's the same thing with disability, right? Like we have, yeah. I have no, you know, I have more now. Um, you know, yeah. but Thank you, Andrew. Time, Thank you, you for know, I, <laughs> you know, no problem. So it was, it was like, you know, and, and, as I, you know, stuck my foot in my mouth enough times and, you know, stumbled through and life goes on and best attentions were assumed and, you know, a conversation was had and, and things go on. Yeah. Like I've learned, right. You know, to, you know, my, my stamina has, has been up slightly, uh, which isn't to say it couldn't use a whole, a whole more uh, upping, but you know, every, every time counts. That does indeed does. Um, any other any other burning disability questions you have for me? I don't believe so. I mean, I wish that we were closer, and that way I could like be your bouncer at the club. But yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I'm there for that. Uh, but we'll have to just wait until this pandemic is over, and then we'll get to hang out. And, and then we'll... We'll, we'll we'll be your we'll be your posse and your entourage the first time you come out for Folsom. I am here for that. Um, how do you, you're, you're both, you know, you're both prominent in the gay community, I would say, and you talk to a lot of, a lot of super hot dudes in your podcast. How do you think that um, we can combat, or at least start talking about, not even combat, how do you think we can start talking about ableism in the LGBTQ community? Well, I think this is this is a great start. I mean, uh, we we got a lot of great feedback from our podcast with you on it, um, and that that in itself starts a dialogue. I think if more people are kind of willing to have those awkward moments, right, and have those kind of awkward conversations, uh, then they'll of course be more open to connecting with uh, people that have disabilities, and from there, then. Just like with Matt, you know, once we kind of connected with you and become friends with you, we want to do more, right? And we want to do more around that. Um, so I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of part of it is that we need to start having more conversations around it, especially more podcasts around it, because those can be listened to again and again and again. Uh, but uh, when those conversations happen, that will make it easier for people to connect and to recognize and to appreciate disabled people. Totally. And Mr. Fuller? Uh, yes. So the, the first one is going to be very exciting for you, Andrew, because I've got a new gig for you. Cool. I'm ready. Is it your right. sexual friend? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, where I'm going with this is representation, Andrew, right? Like visibility. Come on, Matt. Put your mind in the gutter with me for one second. <laughs> Visibility, representation, we need to see more disabled people 
uh, out and about being actively included and made a part uh, and made to feel welcome at events and in our community. And to that end, Andrew, I think you would do phenomenal, phenomenal on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I would, you know, have some feelings about Ru, but I would agree. You with could you. educate the Ru a lot. Yeah, you could, you could take the Ru to school. Yeah. I would agree with that, and I would go on as my newly minted drag alter ego. Her name is Spastique. Um, <laughs> she, it's a cool way of saying spastic because I have spastic CP, so it's spastic. Um, she, she say I mean, anything French, and it's a little sexy, right? It's a little right. sultry. It's a little yeah. I think it'd be really cool. I know that Evie Oddly came out recently talking about their experience with um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I think so. They have had sort of visible disabilities on there before um but i don't think they've had a full-blown wheelchair user yet so i'd love to do that rue if you're listening or if you know anybody who knows rue i'm down let's figure it out let's do it so first first of all so we're going to solve this problem firstly by getting you on rupaul's drag race that was part one of my platform for election here and part two rupaul's drag race like i mean i feel like you got to go to the original one because i mean Listen, Canada's great, but I have. <laughs> but... Canada's great, but whatever. He's looking for a ticket out of Canada. Stop denying him. You got your ticket out of Canada. <laughs> Help to, a brother like, out. I, I, le- I left for a reason, man. <laughs> um, you were also you were a, a VJ, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I was a VJ for Pride uh, Television. So, uh, Pride TV. So, I'm not sure if it's still called Pride Television. I think so it's Out TV out... now. What's it called? Out TV now. Out TV now. Right. Okay. So, it's the first LGBT TV, uh, LGBTQ uh, television network. Uh, so, I was a VJ on that as well as a host of uh, the show Bump, which is a travel show uh, for LGBTQ. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then, mostly outside of that, uh, I was doing uh, various work as producer, director, camera worker, uh, editing, uh, screenwriter, voiceover work. So I was, I was hey, all encompassing. What? What's your degree in? Uh, my degree is in media arts, film, and videography. You know why I mentioned that, Andrew? Why? Okay. Because every time, like, I give feedback about an upcoming podcast, Coop's like, do you know what my degree's in? <laughs> <laughs> this this was very effective when he came to me once, and he's like, so I just listened to this podcast for 20 minutes, and he gave me some really good tips on, like, podcasting. I'm like, oh, yeah, Matt. I'm like, I did four years degree, and I worked for 12 years in television <sighs> and film. Maybe I might have a little bit more information than your 20-minute podcast that you listen to. <laughs> See, see how defensive he was. Oh, you believe how defensive he was. You're just such best friend. Man, so. it makes it so hard to like bring new ideas to the table. So hey. I went to college. I've got a degree. Hey, you, just just gonna say, you know how many how many times black people are just discounted for their education? It's gotta be like. Right. <laughs> but, but you know what? My favorite media hangover that Coop still has is. Like he's used to broadcast production, right. so he doesn't remember that people get show notes with the podcast, and he wants to spell out everything. Well, that's Amazing. because I that was in, I was in the nineties, dude. We yeah, didn't like, have fucking <laughs> didn't have show notes. Show notes. What's that? Um, <laughs> you, were you mean in credits? <laughs> you were in, you were number two no. of your of your five point plan to fall in love with me or something. 
number two? No, there were only two. Oh, wait, yeah, so I was on point number two. It's a two-point plan, uh, which is to <laughs> blow up the paradigm. Uh, and by that, I mean within the LGBTQ community, let's face it, we have basically modeled ourselves after heteros and, you know, the larger community at large. And, you know, if you're uh, a tall, you know, blonde, muscly blue-eyed thing you know you're the the most interesting gay in the room just by default and you know what we don't have to make it be that way right blow that shit up when you see somebody else like who's you know not like go up introduce yourself see somebody in a wheelchair go up and introduce yourself don't know what to say remember matt fuller has made an ass out of himself so you can do it too just go up be friendly right like blow the shit up so you're saying we should ignore more white people and just go with everybody else if more people ignored me, Coop, this world would be a better place. From your mouth to my ears. <laughs> I mean, think of, how, think of all the times I ignore the advice I give myself. I mean, think of all the times I ignore the advice you give me. No. <laughs> and I know what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> you went know. to school and you've got a degree in media production. I love how this episode has just become a fight between Coop and Matt. This is my favorite. Oh, this is not a fight. You should think oh, this, is <laughs> this is love. This is love. This is us ribbing each other like bros. This is what we do all the time. <laughs> Amazing. Um, one last question that I had before we go. I wanted to ask you, Coop, how do you think you being a wheelchair user would change your life in porn? Oh, well, I'm not in porn. <laughs> That's good. If you were when you were in porn. Oh, I don't think I would have done it. I don't think I would have done porn at all. You could have been so awesome, though. No, no, I'm not. It's, you know, it takes, a, it takes a certain amount of confidence around your body. Uh, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of willpower to deal with the lack of even colored representation that's in gay porn. Um, and to be able to assert yourself in, in a lot of situations. And, and I think part of me being able to assert myself in that porn industry was, you know, I'm tall, you know, I'm black and muscular, but I had, I had experience in media and I had experience, um, uh, in front of the camera already. And, uh, those things, I'm not sure those would have necessarily happened. Like I won't, I don't think I would have had that experience of working in television previously. Right. Uh, Cause that takes a lot of uh, physical movement as well. Yeah. So, so with all of that, you know, I, I you know, if we're going to go backwards to, to porn and, and how that would change, I wouldn't have been in that industry. And if we're going to go backwards to television and film, I wouldn't have been in that industry. You, know? I mean, you should have been, been. I mean, I get why, but I'm just thinking in terms of like representation, First of all, in both those areas, yeah. I think it would have been fucking awesome to have a wheelchair using black muscular dude in. I mean, I agree 100%. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure mentally myself, I would have been ready. Yeah. You know, I was building. I, let's think of it this way looking the way that I do now and, and then at that time, um, you know, I was still battling a lot of confidence issues in myself, right? as I yeah. am now, <laughs> um, to, to have to do that on top of being, you know, feeling like the lowest rung, you're, you're of color and you're disabled, uh, when it comes to representation, uh, and having to battle it then, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'd be able to get through that. I'm not sure if I'd be able to get to that point where people would sit up and take notes like, yeah, in a wheelchair definitely needs to be on camera. 
That's fair. I think, though, if ever, you know, there is a spot for a black muscular wheelchair using dude in porn, I would say <laughs> fucking let's figure it out. Give me a call and I will help you get a yeah. one of us. Right. Right. The good, the good thing I I think for me is that, you know, my porn days are done. Like that was, that was fun and hedonistic at the time. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the industry. I learned a lot about uh, male sexuality and an exploration, exploration of like fetishes and kinks. Uh, But at that time, then no. And so, you know, if that were to happen now, like, I don't think I'd ever go back into porn. Like it's, like my husband would definitely not want it. <laughs> so, and that's not the directory where I want to go to now. So it was great at the time. It was uh, functional at the time and it helped me to pay bills. Uh, but nowadays it's like, it's in the past. Uh, but I definitely use that experience to help uh, direct others and to still help the uh, industry become accountable for some of the issues and failures it does have. Yeah. And I think there's, just to cap that off, I think there's a huge ableist problem in, in gay porn. We don't yeah. know it enough. We don't see it enough. I did yeah. one last year, which I'm very proud of, but it's one of like two where I've seen a, a wheelchair using person in gay male porn. So yeah. there needs to be more of that. And I remember, I'm looking at our form right now. And I remember you, you did also say you wanted to ask me about being crippled and being fetishized. Right. So is that... Does anyone just want to get with you because you're in a wheelchair? Like, hey, yeah. let's have crip sex, bro. Yeah, I mean, do people do, do people like like actually like seek you out on like Reddit or something like that and like say, hey, I really, really, really want to do this with you? Yeah, yeah. and I get it on Scruff and Grinder all the time. Like, I really want to be with a wheelchair using guy. And, you know, it's funny because I don't... I used to be like really offended by that, but now I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. Let, let, me, let me break down the reality of what being with me would mean for you. And then let me see if you're really game to do it. Like that would right? Because be- you're probably going to have the same kind of experience like I have with like guys that are like black fetishists, right? Like there's that division with like okay, really just attracted to men of color versus I want to dehumanize you as my big black cock, right? Yeah. And, and you have to kind of vet right online and kind of make sure okay, where is your mindset at? Are you a person that just as appreciative of men in color or are you a person that wants to fetishize to the point that I'm an object and not a person? Yeah, that I'm no longer yeah, and that I'm no longer a human. And so you, it's right. a really it's a really interesting game of like do they want to get to know me? And because with my disabilities too and all the things that I need, like I need help to get undressed, positioned, redressed, like even if you're going to just suck my dick, there's a lot of work that goes into that. Because it's so large. No, I'm kidding. But you know, ah, there's a lot of words. Now we know why it's a power wheelchair. Yeah, the yeah. biggest joystick around. <laughs> I basically can't walk because my dick's so big. That's what it is. Mm, um, no, but like you know, slopping Andrew Dick. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that uh, audio bite from myself later and play it over. Mm. And, um, Rolling with my Andrew Dick. <laughs> <laughs> But, but um, you know, <laughs> I can't stop blushing now. Uh, but, but I think, you know, you really have to consider, like, what is comfortable. And so I, I spend a lot of time with dudes explaining, like, if you're going to do this, I'm going to need your help. And it isn't just a one-two, like, you're going to suck my dick, I'm going to suck yours, and we're done. There's, there's a lot of stuff I have to prepare for. So, like, when I work with my sex workers, like John Shields, and like people like that, we we spent a ton of time 
getting to know each other and like building that confidence so that now when we fuck, we don't have to, there doesn't need to be a big discussion, but at first there did, there definitely did have to be talks about what's okay. And so I spent a lot of time, I think it's great if you're attracted to disabled men, that's great. And I think you're allowed to be, but I think there is a point where if you dehumanize me and you make me less than during that experience, I'm not, I don't want to be there. Yeah. Does that happen often? Like, what's the ratio of guys that are into it, of of fetishist versus people that are just authentically inclusive? I mean, I don't get the fetishist so much anymore. I'll get it every now and then. Like, or I'll start talking to them and I'll say I'm in a wheelchair because I'm very upfront about who I am. And I'm like, Grinder or my scruff, my name is like Big Dick Crip or like... Yeah! Or like, you know, <laughs> big, like I'm very... I'm very Zinga! <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm very... I'm so upfront about who I am. So it takes a while to find out if they're really into it. And then some guys will say like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, you're disabled. They're like, oh, I didn't realize. Or like, they, they get immediately apologetic for me. And it's like, mm. oh, I'm not sad about it. I'm just here to suck your dick. Like, I'm just here to do what we're all doing. It's 2 a.m. Are we going to do this or not? Yeah, right. Like, so I think, you know, I, I spend a lot of time online telling people that it's okay to be attracted to disabled men, except don't dehumanize me. Like, I spend a lot of time doing that. Or giving them facts about why I'm still viable and why I'm still sexual and why I still deserve a spot. And that can be exhausting. Like, that's not, it gets really tiring to always have to prove yourself and to always have to prove you deserve a spot here and you deserve to be sexualized and you want to be sexualized. To constantly have to remind people that you deserve that is, is an exercise in exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I feel. How about you, Matt? <laughs> yeah tell us about your whiteness yeah yeah do you, want, how, to feti- do you want to fetishize do you want to fetishize any crips in your life do you have any questions <laughs> i mean you the answer is the, the answer, answer is yes, yes. <laughs> the answer should be yes so you guys don't even need me for this part of the conversation <laughs> uh, come on hotter otter weigh in for us do you want this crip dick We already have that conversation. Hey, well, yes, like I am when when we meet up, right? Like I am, you know, I am totally open to meeting up. And if you're as cool in person as you seem online, then these things could happen, Andrew. These things. Well, could happen. This would be your this would be your first um, time having uh, crippled dick, right? Crippled. Stop! Stop fetishizing. Hey, I'm just asking if it's, like, you know, it's not it. about it's not about keeping track. It's not about keeping track, but it's acknowledging it's acknowledging a cherry that is there, and that you have a not cherry spelled <laughs> spelled C H A R Y cherry yeah, cherry a cherry. Puns are great. But I mean, I've had still hurting from that pun. I know that pun is great. I only have mm. I've only had sex with one disabled person in my life, but that was probably a long time ago in my twenties. But Matt is not, so you know. Really I mean, cool. there is something. I mean, I will say this in all seriousness: there is something really exciting for me about being someone's first and really powerful because it gives them a chance to learn from somebody. Who, I, I think it, there's something really sexy for me teaching somebody about disability the first time through sex and showing them that and giving them an experience that I hope is memorable for them and enjoyable for them. And so they can like John Shield and I, John had never been with a disabled person before. 
And like now we've been seeing each other as client and worker for the last three and a half years. So like there's, there's something really cool about being someone's first because it gives them a chance to experience that, especially, you know, as for people in the sex work industry or who want to have sex with disabled people to not be like, oh yeah, I've done this before. I kind of know how this works. Like that's, that's comfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Fuller, I'm going to rock your world and you can touch my joystick whenever you want. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take um, that, all you other podcast <laughs> listeners. Neener, neener, neener. Um, <laughs> I get to hang out in the podcaster booth with the podcaster because that's cooler than DJs now. Well, yes. you're, gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, you guys are such dorks. Dorks. We We're big nerds. We're just older. <laughs> I'm all right with that. But I'm still no taller. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll put you in the stretching rack some point. <laughs> we'll work on it. I had a stretching rack as a kid. I had a standard frame as a kid, and it was Ooh. most painful. It was so painful. Yeah, we 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 think of pain as as a positive here. So, <laughs> yeah, I think was, of pain is like no, 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 it hurts. Did was it helpful at all? Like, did it accomplish something? Oh yeah, I learned how to walk, and I did marathons afterwards. And well, no, I, I <laughs> well, really, I did a marathon too. Cool. I don't remember seeing you there. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it was helpful at the time, but I feel like when you're a disabled kid and you're being rehabbed like that, they're trying to, right. it feels like they're trying to fix you. Right. And it's like, just let the kid be disabled. It's all right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I am. Well, I'm, that was my question. Was it actually a treatment or was it just uh, I mean, it was, it was a treatment. It was a treatment and they were trying to help me and I, I respect that, but it wasn't, I mean, the good, the good thing about it was when I was 14 in high school, all the hot guys in the gym would have to put me in this machine. So there was some perks for me. I remember being 14 and being like, oh, I think I like this. All these muscular gym dudes have to touch me now. All right. Cool. Oh, my God. We're going back to some, some like, real deep-seated, like, like kink right now. Yes. Right, right, some, like, right. real... A room full of muscular, athletic guys in a locker room. <laughs> Some muscle, some, well, no, the, their job was, it, it was during the gym class, and I remember their job was to put me in this machine, yeah. and they were all, they all wanted to be cool and muscular, and they were super macho and super straight, and I was like, I just want you to touch me, just yeah. touch me wherever you want to, and I was like 14, and I'm definitely coming out as queer, and loving every second of that. We gotta make that a scene for you, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's, yes. that's a porn scene. Yes. 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 I support this a hundred percent. All right. Cool. Um, I'm I'm all out of the questions. This was a fun, tangenty chat full of all the things. We're full of tangents. You know what I love about coming on your podcast, Andrew? My sparkling hazel eyes and my rapier wit. And your enormous joystick. And the fact that you just let me go on tangents because Coop doesn't let me do that on our podcast. Oh, I'm a broadcast professional. I'm a broadcast. I was on your podcast. I went to college. You can't have tangents. I was on your podcast. I just the email that Coop sent out prior to the recording. It was like signing an NDA. <laughs> well, because I'm good at writing NDAs. Can you tell? <laughs> that was part of my job. It was like signing a fucking NDA. And I was like, all right, I got this. <laughs> Hey, oh, wait, so are you saying you didn't sign an NDA? <laughs> no. I didn't. 
Hey, it Uh-oh. did. Come on, Let's Andrew. The cracks. That those emails are very. They're very informative. They they help make a very clear message. Everybody knows they're on the same page. It's when they true. Yeah, come on. Unlike my show, that was like, come on, we'll talk about shit. Yeah, we'll just talk about shit. <laughs> Freeform. Um, the the Daddy Issues host Race Cooper and Matt Fuller. This was an episode of Disability After Dark. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you so much for having us, Andrew. You rock our world. Uh, our conversations with you are always electric and lots of fun, and there's lots of laughs, and we really appreciate you uh, bringing us on the podcast. It was such a good time. How do, how, do the folks, uh, how do the folks get a hold of you? How can they follow your work? How can they listen to your show? How do they do that? Handle it, Matt. How, how do they get in touch with us? I'm afraid to answer that because I'll give the wrong answer. Now, so we get, we're both on Twitter and we're both on Instagram. Uh, my Twitter is Race Cooper for Real, and uh, Matt's is uh, the Hotter Otter. I think it's all one word. There's no dots in that one. Yeah, it on is. Twitter. Which one? My Twitter. Yeah, your Twitter. I think that's right. Yeah, and then on Instagram, uh, my Instagram is just Race Cooper, and then Matt's Instagram is. Hotter Otter, but spelled H O T dot T E R dot O T T E R. So don't worry, this will be in the show notes. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that I'm spelling it out. I know. I'm a talented professor. <laughs> that's why I thought it was really funny because you started to. And I started you can't laughing. help it. You know how much, how many years that was fucking ingrained in me. <laughs> like oh, I'm you sure. had to fucking oh, sure. do it every freaking time. Uh, hard to lose that one. <laughs> this was really fun. I love you guys to bits. You know, I'm always here for you. Um, uh, we will. Thanks for coming on Disability After Dark or Dad, as it's as its acronym is. Um, we'll talk soon. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Thanks. I told you that was an amazing episode and just before we kind of pop off and say goodbye I also want to let you know that I'm looking for brand new guests and I'm looking for brand new stories specifically around having conversations with disabled folks as well as their personal care workers and their attending care workers I'd love to explore how attendant care works for you what it feels like to have attendant care with you. That's something that I want to do and I want to put in a series called This is My Friend Tendant, talking about attendant care and disability. I think it's really important because people often don't know how that works and they're always very curious. So I'd love to do a little series on that on the show. So if you want to come on the show and talk about about your experience with an attendant care worker or also if you're somebody with a service dog and you want to talk about that too, I'd love to 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 get guests for those kind of episodes and if you want to do that with me you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com but send in your stuff send in your stories and I'd love to have you as a guest thanks friends see you next week for another Saturday episode and yeah thanks alright friends this has been another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza, your number one queer cripple and your disabled Dick Smith. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on all social media at It's Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod.
If you want to be a guest on the show, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. We'd love to have you as a guest so you can shine a bright light on your disability story. If you want to support the show and get the show one day early along with ad-free versions of the show and a cool shout-out, you can head over to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast Shining a Bright Light on Disability Story. We'll see you next time. Bye! Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions with music by Music by Space Robot Scientists. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020